Welcome to Talking Research. I am Asmita and this is a podcast that features in-depth interviews with prominent academics and researchers who study sexual violence across its different manifestations. This conversation features an in-depth discussion of sexual violence, both in specific cases and more generally. If this is something that you find disturbing, please feel free to stop listening at any point. Today's guest is Dr. Parveen Ali. Parveen is a senior lecturer at the University of Sheffield and she's been researching gender-based violence and healthcare for over the last 10 years. She started as a nurse and she's extensively looked at both these areas, gender-based violence and healthcare in her research, publishing over 30 papers and doing a lot more in the process. So today's conversation is around intimate partner violence and we're focusing on Parveen's research on uh intimate partner violence in the Pakistani society so both in Pakistan and the diaspora abroad so we're talking about everything to do with intimate pa- partner violence in that context so let's dive in Hi Parveen how are you today and welcome to Talking Research Hi Asmita I'm fine thank you so much and thank you for the opportunity and I'm fine and I hope you're fine too <laughs> I'm great yeah uh, so to start do you want to tell us about yourself and you know introduce yourself in a way that you like to be introduced oh, Okay well my name is Parveen Ali Parveen Ali and I'm based at University of Sheffield Health Sciences School um in the division of nursing and midwifery i am a nurse by background and um, so i'm an academic public health um, professional my research looks at gender based violence and domestic abuse and generally inequalities in health related to gender and ethnicity and domestic abuse is something that i specialize in um wow. so so yeah so that's the kind of stuff which i do apart from that i teach healthcare professionals and yeah Wow, that's amazing. So how did you get into that? How did you get into um uh, specializing into g- gender-based violence and teaching that? So, um my initial education is from Pakistan. So, um initial mm-hmm. nursing then bachelor's in nursing and then master's in nursing. So, when I was going through bachelor's and master's in nursing, so you know, looking at the at the exploring topics about gender-based violence or domestic abuse i used to see that the in terms of uh, a- any paper that you read up it used to say some kind of violence or sexual violence for example 99% and when you see around you wouldn't see uh, the that much because 99% means that it should it is happening everywhere in every house hmm. i mean obviously there is a lot of prevalence so i'm not suggesting that it doesn't happen but 99% is is a little bit too high and then you just wonder that what is it which is reported into the papers but then you don't really see much around you um mm. to that extent and i think that's what um, made me interested in the subject to understand is it is it something about how we define which is different too because how do we see what is violence or what is abuse for us in the in the pakistani context as uh, as a, as as a distinct group if you like uh what i realized looking at the the uh reading articles and looking at the stuff that you know quite a lot of stuff that we do or the questionnaires which are used in pakistan in india in other south asian countries they usually have come from western countries so mm. they they were not always developed for within the context and therefore 
not culturally relevant to the context, if that makes sense. And then obviously, uh, you know, how the questions are asked or interviews are taken and all those different things would have had an impact on how people have responded. So that got me interested into this sort of subject. So for example, if I say about um, sexual violence, so if someone has asked a question from a female, and I'm talking about kind of, you know, about 10, 15 years back now, mm. or even perhaps more than that. So, I'm t- so if they are asking for, okay, fine, did you, um, did your husband or did your partner force you to force you for sex? Now, in South Asian context, the sex is getting, is it has changed a lot now, but it still is the case that it used to be a very, very taboo subject where no one yeah. teaches you, no one tells you, if, if, if that makes sense. Definitely. And you would think that it's a, it is a taboo subject. You don't want to talk about it. And especially coming from female, it's even more worse. So, you know, if so female participant would think that if I say yes, that makes me look like a bad woman. Mm. And therefore she would say, it's easier to say that, yes, my husband or my partner forced me because that means that, you know, I wasn't interested, but they were. Mm. That makes sense. Mm. And and if you if you change this to men and if you ask the same question from men and they would just think, well, if I said that my wife was willing, that means that, you know, I'm less of a man and she looks bad. And, you know, they would say, oh, it, it's more appropriate to say, yes, I forced her. It was me who asked or it was me who forced her. So therefore, what you get as a result in terms of response is a very, very kind of skewed mm. presentation, which is basically how the question is posed and how people have understood the question, Mm. um, if that makes sense. So I think that's the kind of questions which made me think about or made me interested into the subject. And I started studying more about it, learning more about it, and uh, looking at that, yes, we do need to know about culturally specific definitions. What is it that we think is abuse what is it that we call it abuse because the 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 conditions in which we live in the environment in which we live in is much different too yeah that's very interesting i think that's part of decolonizing research and uh, culturally specific definitions that's so important so to um to to start our conversation we're going to be talking about intimate partner violence and what is intimate partner violence specifically in a Pakistani context? Um, so what forms does it take? How prevalent it is in Pakistan? And what what is intimate partner violence? Okay, so intimate partner violence, as you know, the over a period of time, various definitions have been used throughout the world, which included, I mean, it used to be something called wife abuse or, you know, violence between husband and wife, spouse abuse. Um, the definitions like that but over a period of time WHO and other agencies have realized that it is more sort of you know being an intimate relationship and as the world has moved the intimate relationship doesn't need to be between husband and wife people probably decide to live together um, and that could be an intimate relationship the, the, the definition has evolved since then having said that in the context of Many South Asian countries, especially Pakistan, hmm. the intimate partner violence would still mean quite a lot between husband and wife because that's the only legitimate relationship which is hmm. acceptable in the culture. So you wouldn't have intimate partners or people living together in intimate hmm. relationships without marriage or without that sort of thing. But because the definitions is being used, um, or the term is used all, um, everywhere. So I think intimate re- 
partner violence in the context of Pakistan is the violence between taking place between husband and wife in an intimate relationship. Um, in terms of the forms, well, obviously it does have the forms like verbal abuse, psychological abuse, mm. sexual abuse. Then you have physical abuse. Physical abuse is the most commonly, I would say, recognized form. I wouldn't say the others don't happen, but if pe- people would, people would usually pay attention or talk more about physical abuse, perhaps because you can see that, and perhaps mm. because that's what's seen as that traditionally has been seen more damaging Hmm. so but that doesn't mean the psychological psychological abuse or sexual abuse doesn't happen it's just that Hmm. in the absence of physical abuse people don't necessarily talk about or identify psychological abuse as such Hmm. chances are where physical abuse happens psychological abuse also happens well actually Physical abuse happens in much lesser cases and psychological abuse is much more prominent. But it's it's one of those things that people do not always talk about, if that sense. It yeah. makes sense. It's a, People have started kind of realizing and talking about it, but still it will take quite a long time um, to get there uh, in terms of the same sort of recognition. I think we still are stuck where we think physical abuse is 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 um, very much prevalent. We we pay attention to physical abuse to the point even if people go to make a complaint to 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 the courts and to the uh, um, to the police, it's usually because they look for the signs of abuse. And psychological abuse usually doesn't really leave any sign. Mm, yeah. So you so you know it still is that I would say still the situation is like that. Having said that. People are becoming more aware of an understanding of psychological abuse now. Um, you can complain about it. They start talking a little bit more. But again, it's going to take quite a long time for this to be understood with the same sort of attention or with the same sort of detail as physical abuse. And when yeah. it comes to sexual abuse, again, of course, it happens. But again, as I said, intimate partner violence is more in the context of Pakistan. It's more about, or in the context of South Asian countries, basically, many of them, it's more about abuse within marital relationship. And there is an assumption that sexual rights within the marital relationships are kind of accepted. So people do not talk about sexual abuse. Again, it's a taboo subject. People do not necessarily understand what that is or do not talk about it, stigmatizing. So it doesn't really get that highlighted at the same time. That sounds very familiar to me because I'm from India, right? So the the context, and even in your paper, when you were talking about the sort of family structures and uh, you know what's taboo and what's not taboo, so what you just said about physical abuse being considered the only legitimate form of abuse you know the one that gets the attention and because you have something to show for it and with psychological or emotional abuse there's nothing that you can physically show so it it's it's still dismissed and it's still not considered um abuse mm. in that context but yeah what you said about you know south asian context i think there is that sort of uniformity there even in terms of family structures and that is such yeah. a big, uh, yeah. That's such a big context yeah. to, uh-huh. yeah. It, because these are patriarchal cultures, so we, we in these cultures, men are more sort of given more importance than women. They have got more. Women have other roles, and obviously, in that in those roles, they uh, are given importance. But generally, if you look at societal level, it's men who are mm. 
identified as head of the family husband is yeah. uh, like a uh, head of the family so women as a wife have to follow them and you know so that sense of authority then gives them a legitimate or, or it's assumed that it gives them a legitimate place to to shout or to tell the other person you know to deal the uh, with the other person con- kind of not in a nice way and usually people do not always see that as abuse um yeah. another example is verbal abuse something so within the context of authority it probably is not always seen as as, as something like if your husband shouted at you mm. people don't necessarily they just accept it because that's what they've seen in their yeah. you know all their life so it's just accepted so that's one extreme but the other one is that within relationships shouting or talking to each other loudly or talking to or telling each other off is not really seen as abusive in our societies if that makes sense so you know if me and you are kind of very close friends or we are very very frank to each other so i shout at you you shout at me and you, you know we if someone asks you was that abuse you wouldn't even class it as it as abuse if that makes sense so i think yeah. there are those kind of cultural notions and how we see things and how um it's not that it's not happening it is happening but then do we yeah. see that as abuse do we see yeah. that as as a form of abuse is 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 a, is a different question mm yeah that's a really important question as well um if if these contexts are to be looked at so for the benefit of those who are not familiar with you know this is social structure of these societies um you know pakistan india south asian societies what is the joint family structure in pakistan and um why do we need to understand this joint family structure in order to understand intimate partner violence there i think it's the it's the family structure that we need to understand the kind of families that we have so generally in a western culture if when you get into um into uh, by the time you get independent and you're working or you know you get into mm. intimate relationships people usually live on their own separate places they have got their own so it's usually nuclear or independent families if you like whereas if you talk about um context of south asian countries pakistan india many of the other countries people usually when they start their life as a married couple or you know in in marital relationship in intimate relationship it usually starts off within the context of extended or joint families in it mm. um most yeah. of the time again there are exceptions again it's not uh, um uh, i'm not suggesting that everybody lives in the joint family so it starts off at in in that kind of context so you've got joint families where uh people from one family live together under one roof so you you have parents and then you have their children and their wives and um and and that's how it is and their children probably so that's joint family but then you have extended families where you probably would have grandfather and grandmother and their children and their children with their spouses so that's the you know you effectively living with quite a few families under the same roof uh which is extended family and within the context of even when people are not living perhaps in the same house they probably would still live nearby to each other mm-hmm. um so that is important to understand and i think the other thing which is important to understand is the influence that people have on each other so it may also be that they do not kind of live closely with each other with each other but would still have quite a lot of influence in each other on each other's life on each other's um, Uh, ability to make decisions about their life about you know you know day to day to day activities and things like that because it's quite a close 
fam close-knit family system if you like so you can be living quite far from each other but you would still know what's going on in each other's houses what they're cooking what mm. they're not cooking and you have influence on you know you have a say or um, um about something which they are doing if 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 that's would would you say it's a fair representation what what do you think about it yeah yeah for sure i think um and i think this is also constrained maybe by the rural and urban setting so you know i think in india for example rural uh, societies or rural places have more of a joint family structure but in urban cities or in you know big cities you don't you, you see more of a trend towards nuclear nuclear families you know the husband wife and the children and you know not the extended joint family living together but what you said about uh, them even if they're not in the same house physically if there's a proximity of how close they live and they still have that say over each other's decision making i think that's so true even in my case like uh, my extended family lives you know all over the all over the world actually but with the internet and with how much uh whatsapp is connected everyone they, everyone's aware of what's happening and you know everyone you know feels that they can have an opinion and express it and that that still takes that that proximity is still uh preserved so yeah i think what you said is a totally fair representation mm. so i think which in a way um i think we um, again in those communities we don't want to lose that kind of connected connectedness yeah. because that's the strength of it in some ways but then where there are positive aspects there are negative aspects too associated with yeah. it so i think quite a lot of influences um do happen and if we talk about the context of domestic abuse and stuff quite a lot of uh, policing or quite a lot of mechanism that we have are usually within the families uh yeah. we don't necessarily if you talk about india or pakistan yes we do have laws we do have we do have ways to um talk about these things but still family violence or domestic abuse and things like that are usually often seen as a private matter which needs to be dealt within the family so there is that kind of notion and even if people go and complain about it there is they, we don't necessarily have that kind of infrastructure where there are um what do you call it uh, there are uh, kind of uh, houses shelter homes and mm, things like that yeah. for women to go or to start their lives independently there would be many women who are not educated who are not working so are not economically independent themselves so therefore would not have any where to go and all of those different um issues so which then makes family a very very central and important point so while f- uh, and uh, the family can then influence in both ways so there are positive aspects of the family in terms of prevention of abuse mm. as well because if something happens and family comes together and are able to talk about it and are able to to um to police it maybe kind of you know to mm. talk about mm. that you know this is something intervene in those contexts um and try and kind of solve the issue but then of course there are negative issues as well so if you if you look at the families usually you would say that a husband's family is usually most of the time is seen as someone who's creating problems someone who's creating issues whereas wife mm. family i mean again that's a form of extended family isn't it that's joint family system and extend so they have influence in time in terms of preventing or protecting um uh, abuse sort of thing so i think it's understanding uh, that kind of understanding is important because if we wanted to develop any strategies or any mechanisms to prevent abuse or to to deal with the issues of ipv and domestic abuse in in those contexts we can't really ignore the importance 
of families yeah so specifically i looked at this really interesting study that you did and you qualitatively investigated the perception of ipv in pakistani society both in pakistan and in the diaspora so you know people who don't live in pakistan but are of a pakistani origin so tell us about this study yes this was part of my phd studies in in, in which i wanted to look at um in which i wanted to look at how as i've talked about the how we define abuse and what is it mm. that you know what are the processes which lends to people's perceptions people's experiences what are the pro- what are those perception experience how do they shape our understanding of abuse and what happens in the in 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 the context and we didn't we didn't look at the i mean obviously there are extreme cases but what i was interested in looking at what happens in a normal average home so mm. obviously extreme there are kind of extreme sort of issues which goes on there is quite a lot which honor killing and other issues happens um so obviously that's not that's not that was not the intent of doing this study but no what normally happens in our day to day life in normal kind of homes in different places mm. how do we define abuse in normal community setting in normal people's home what do we see as acceptable and what do mm. uh, we don't see as, as acceptable and that's where i explored these perspectives about what is physical abuse what is psychological abuse and what is sexual abuse and how do we see that because there's there's also if i just give an example there's quite a lot of perception that for example muslim women or Uh, South Asian women don't have a say in sexual mm. relationship and they just accept that husband has a right a sexual right so therefore wife has to abide by when whenever she has been asked but contrary to the fact that every participant talked about that women can say no and mm. it's not acceptable to force them and it is important to recognize their needs and they also have the needs and therefore husband is also responsible to making sure the the needs of the wives are met as well this mm. is that's the kind of thing that we usually do not hear when it comes to south asian women and when it comes to muslim women mm. and when it comes to pakistani indian women so i think that was interesting to note so that's not it's not just uh, you know there are a lot of misperceptions so they they don't necessarily see that as they're right in the way they have to kind of submit if they can do anything about it or if they just ex- accept when it happens that's a different thing but at least they didn't see that yeah. as something acceptable but obviously with qualitative research you're talking to a very small number of people yeah. and uh, population is very very big so obviously we, we don't we are not suggesting that the, the generalizability you know we're not taking findings from a very small study to generalize it but i think it still sheds an important light in terms of understanding the mm. um, the 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 um the issue of ipv it also helped us understand the importance of family and you know what actually happens and i think my study revealed that it's a lot about managing expectations of each other a lot goes on in terms of not understanding each other's needs not uh, being able to communicate communicate with each other um and again this is because you're living in the same place and mm. you you uh, it's it's not husband and wife or intimate partners living in one place together and no other people are not influencing it even when they're living on their own separately they would still have influences from both of their families be it's husband's family or wife's family and what is it which has a role or which has an influence on the behaviors of husband and wife and how that then facilitates or prevents conflicts and problems so what we basically said that usually abuse 
happens because of not managing conflict properly mm. into the families and bear in mind i'm saying this again that we are not talking about extreme cases we are talking about normal community setting normal yeah. homes day to day sort of thing and in those situations it's usually the conflict which remains unmanaged it's usually the expectations which are not managed properly it's husband's ability to provide for the family it's husband's ability to provide for the needs of the of their wife and children as well as their parents because i think another important aspect that we need to learn is or we need to understand that in south asian context there is not you know the there's not a lot of welfare or a lot of help available for for old age or for younger yeah. children and they are usually responsibility of the of the male so as a as as a male person usually you are responsible for your wife and your children as well as your parents and if you have younger siblings <clears throat> mm. so that means there's a lot of financial burden isn't it yeah mortgaging house buying house buying house is a very difficult thing mortgaging is not always available everywhere so it's quite a it, it is becoming available in some parts but it still is not you know you have to buy your house outright and you you don't necessarily are always that stable to be able to do that and yeah. then to be able to support two different houses like one for your parents and one for your wife and children so i think all of those things have make it very very complex situation for people to manage and then it's about men's ability to balance to and to keep a balance between their his parents and his is is in, in and then his wife and children so you know both of his families and how does that link together so um my study highlighted quite a lot of those issues coming in that context and then mm. of course how we see gender and yeah. how we see women what is the role of women and what do women do and what is the perception i think that all plays a very very important role in that regard as well yeah and interestingly you found sort of similar attitudes to you know the family structure and what is the role of a man and the role of a uh, the woman in both in people who lived in pakistan and people who lived in britain so that sort of family value very much persisted in your sample didn't it mm. yeah i mean regardless of where you live again it goes back to what we said earlier on that yeah, um, you know the difference uh, different about south asian culture is that regardless where you live you may not live very closely together but you still have quite a lot of influence on each other's lives yeah yeah um and therefore managing expectations and managing how you see each other is is becomes very very important yeah and and also the ex- the expectations uh, expectations about who has the responsibility to earn and provide for mm. the family um what are what are expectations from men what are expectations from a woman what are expectations from a husband what are expectations from a from a wife so i think all those things shape people's and how they see men and how they see women you know, you know attitudes towards gender attitudes towards conflicts um mm. and all of those aspects really and all of that combined shapes the 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 environment around you and you know how you react in an environment i think another important aspect in the context of south asia again pakistan india many other places is about um how boys are treated generally speaking so you, you know from a very young age i think girls um um sometimes corporal punishment related issues i think boys get it much worse than girls yeah. um in schools or in religious education places be it's mosque be it's something else in um uh, in house and wherever so they are usually 
being told off and being exposed to corporal punishment by their fathers, by other members, um, or when they ask a question, they're just kind of, you know, shut down and yeah. um, told off and all that stuff. And if they have seen all that in their life developing as a young man, what they learn is this is the only way to solve conflict. Yeah. And that if someone asks you something, just shout back at them. And, you know, that's that's the way to 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 show authority. And therefore, when the time comes to 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 get married or get into a marital relationship, they their wife or their partner is the only person who is in their control. Yeah. So then they use those behaviors to silence the other person. And similarly, girls have seen the, the, those kind of behaviors um, as children, too. Um, they've been socialized in the same um, way. And therefore, then it brings up quite a lot of issues once you get to yeah. that state. Yeah, yeah. It's surprising. I was I was watching this interview with the South Indian actor, like this really prominent young guy. And, you know, he expressed how it's so important to beat up your children when you're raising them because that's the only way to discipline them, you know. And this, this really young up-and-coming star who's expressing that opinion, it just shows how prevalent that attitude still is in, you know, in, 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 in that society that, oh, you beating up children is so necessary to disciplining them and it's so wrong it's so completely um wrong it's 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 abuse isn't it and it still persists mm, yeah so based on this study you came up with a focused theory on uh intimate partner violence in pakistani society you know you you sort of came up with a focused theoretical understanding so what is that and what can we learn from that um again it's a it's it's a as i say it's about managing expectations i think the theory suggested that you know what is it in that context which is responsible in terms of processes and what is it which we can do to 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 prevent it or to 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 learn from it and it was about expectations and there are quite a few factors which came in so it was understanding about role of family role of um husband and wife, expectations from each other, and other smaller factors like, for example, what is your attitudes towards abuse? What are your, what is your attitudes towards conflict management? How do you manage conflict if that happens in your mm. life? And, and you know, all those things, so all these. So, so basically what we have just talked about. So it is about understanding the family in, in mm. the context. It is about understanding the expectations between husband and wife. And it is about intervening as to, you know, at the right places to be with open communication, talking about expectations from each other. What is it that we need to to tell each other, knowing each other's place in the family and why we are doing what we are doing. I think media has a very important, I'm just digressing from my study to, um, to other thing. I think media has a very important role to play because what we see in, in South Asian um, soaps, daily kind of dramas, which happen in Pakistani Indian channels, is it it, it gives a very idealistic fantasized type of families where the women are like if you talk about any pick up any drama and you would see women in a very very glamorous clothes mm. and cooking in the kitchen on when they're sleeping with full makeup on and all the rest <laughs> of this so, so that's the kind of me that's the kind of message we are giving to youngsters that this is what the life looks like so they aim for that kind of life mm. it doesn't show girls as doing as as pilots as working women and managing and juggling responsibilities mm. it still has got 
it still shows girls like you know the the uh, a, a good woman or a good girl is the one who is submissive yeah. who accepts abuse and who is good with everything cooking cleaning and all the rest of the stuff and you know you know the kind of the kind of uh, the kind of image that we create in people's minds and and men are also portrayed in a in a either very aggressive way or either very very submissive way you would find very few um soaps i don't think i've seen anywhere somebody <laughs> is shown as, as a man as in a very very balanced kind of um role if that makes sense so i yeah. think what it does is that that creates that kind of persona in your head and that's the kind of life that you you want without understanding mm. that you need to live in the means that you have in the in the the income and in the in the context in which you you, you live in and i think that's the kind that's understanding is missing and once that understanding is missing uh you expect a lot from relationships and when those things are not possible from girl's side and from boy's side both of them then obviously it creates conflicts it creates issues and then there are problems in um in life so i think understanding from my study is that we really need to because if this is something which influences younger people's um perceptions about uh, um a personal life and what it should be like um then we can actually use the same tool very very effectively by creating realistic expectations realistic um scenarios which then people learn how to tackle issues how to manage problems what the what, mm. what the real life should look like yeah mm. um, yeah does that does that make sense huh? it does totally and i think even in that perception of uh, of how it's sold by tv series and films and all of that there's this you know they peddle this understanding of what a family life looks like without and and you buy into it without actually realizing what roles are imposed on men and women so you know all of what you said just the the man being the 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 responsible breadwinner and the woman being the uh, submissive housewife so that even if even though it glamorized and it's um you know shown to be uh, the ideal and the, the the luxuries that you must aspire to you don't actually realize what role what confines those roles impose and yeah and yes in the context of like if you're looking you know getting married at the age of 25 or something you know the person both of them girl and, and the boy would not have that sort of um d- develop that kind of um yeah abilities to have that luxurious life um you know it yeah, takes time yeah, of course. so therefore you have to live in the context of with, with with family members and then how can you actually use families and how can we actually uh, use the positive aspects of the family to protect and to prevent abuse rather than you know it's not as i say it's not always negative is it so it's just how do you capitalize on those things which is positive same is for religion for instance religion is often is used to control women and to control um to to justify abuse but if you actually look at religious scriptures they don't they you know there is other message as well so it's usually half used message that we 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 we, we um focus on mm. so we could actually use religion as a very po- po- positive and powerful tool to prevent abuse mm. you know where you use those messages about it's not acceptable in the religion but what we do is we only concentrated on how messages are used to promote abuse and to accept abuse rather than 
the other side this does make me question i mean i'll give you an example so my grandmother one of my grandmothers you know she's this really strong personality and she's very very progressive she's so excited about anything to do with our education you know my education my career and she's you know the most enthusiastic person about any of those things but i was talking to her once and uh, i was having this argument with my father you know something about politics or something and she 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 said that oh you know girls this is why domestic conflicts happen because girls start answering back so it did you know it does make me question how how we can uh, sort of balance those attitudes with um you know with a, a greater understanding of abuse is is that is that possible in that i mean i i totally understand that there are so many positive aspects of that family structure but those intrinsic understandings of abuse and you know uh, women's role in that abuse and all of that how do we how do we find that positive balance and is that possible well i think it's it's talking about it isn't it it's challenging those things yeah. because if you for example challenge religion when they say oh well this is acceptable in religion and you give the counter argument well this is this is what religion says about the abuse is not acceptable so you know having strong arguments is something which is important challenging those assumptions i think one of the thing in those cultures is that we don't we don't let people ask questions especially as mm. a children um, especially women and girls especially women especially girls especially children yeah. like you know you don't allow them to ask yeah. questions you don't allow this is how you socialize them so you know because sometimes is it is because you don't have the answers to those questions and you mm. want them to just shut up and i think that's if we change that if we include into the curriculum where we talk about how do you solve conflict how mm. do you rather than just talking about kind of very kind of you, you know um uh, bookish things if we prepare them for life if we prepare them to to understand okay fine if there is a difficult situation how is it that you're going to solve that problem mm. how is it that you're going to to deal with the issue i don't think we do that yeah so if we start off with conflict management or what is a healthy relationship how do you deal with conflict what does healthy relation what is a respectable relationship means how do you talk about expectations from each other i think all that is going to have a positive impact from very young child uh, from very very young childhood time very young age you learn negative things about mother in laws um mm. that you know they are always negative isn't it you know have you ever heard yeah. any positive thing about mother in law <laughs> or something um but so. no one yeah so 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 you so so these are negative connotations and then the other thing is like girls being told when they're young if they want anything oh you do it when you get married you're not allowed to do it here and they think oh well by the time when i get married i should and you know the other when they get to that stage they still can't do it so it's balancing those things is is giving realistic expectations and not giving the negative messages i think because if all your life you've heard that mother in law is a bad person what you do is when you get to into that relationship you've already got that negative persona of that person in your mind so even if they are positive a little bit you're not going to see that and eventually your relationship would have problems and they will become the person that you were thinking of that if if and same goes i'm just taking example of mother in law but it is about any relationship really so i think a lot of this is that how this is portrayed how this is talked about how this is uh explained um and all of that 
So no one would see mother-in-law in, in a positive light, but no one would see their mother in negative light mm. when their mother would also be a mother-in-law for somebody else. Mm. Does that, does, does that yeah. make sense? So I think it's, it's how we, how we have created the system and how we have, and also not lack of understanding of each other's needs, like, you know, whose role is what, where does a mother-in-law stand and where does a daughter-in-law stand and who's, who is more important, who is less important, how much importance should be given to it. So it's, it's because if you cannot get people out of the joint family system, you cannot, in, in, in they, you cannot take out the influences which they have on each other. What you could do is you could learn about the role of each other and be respectful for, to, to each other and understand that. And I think we don't do that. Yeah, yeah. What you're talking about is very important, that sort of b- balancing, uh, and creating an abuse-free environment within that family structure. So how do we tackle uh, intimate partner violence in joint families and in Pakistani families or, I mean, South Asian families? So how do we tackle that particular form of IPV? So I, I think one of the, before going to this, I think one of the questions that you asked earlier was about, you know, when you were talking about your mother-in-law. And I think I think one of the other things which is important to understand is that women who have grown in those kind of, uh, in that kind of scenario and they've seen it, they themselves have internalized quite a lot of negative attitude. Mm. And um, and if you, if you probe this a little bit, so, you know, on surface, you think that the woman is saying, oh, well, you know, the girls who do not, girls do not succeed who answer back. Yeah. But if you look at it, there must be a history behind it, you know, which has made, which has make, make them think the way they think into the environment, into, you know, that's what they've seen and that's what they've learned. So I think it's, it's again, socialization and it's again, kind of learned helplessness that people develop over time and then therefore, therefore use the same sort of tactics mm. to, to make other vulnerable. So I think coming back to what we can do and how we can tackle it, I think it's the message that needs to change. It's the message that, you know, understanding each other's like, you know, sometimes we aspire and think that maybe individual or nuclear families is the only way forward and people try and do that. But then we don't really kind of see the issues with it or the mm. problems associated with it. And some of the stuff which you look at in Western countries and compare it with South Asian countries is like, for example, old age homes. Um mm where do old people are taken care of and who takes care of them um how are their needs met uh we see there are old age homes and there is this thing but we don't see the financial implications to it and i think some of these things are not really practical in the south asian context Hmm. financial independence who looks after children i mean there's quite a lot of things which go on in the western um, um, uh, societies where childcare is a big problem yeah. Whereas if you look at in the South Asian context, childcare is usually not that big problem, especially in the context of joint families, because someone is always there to look after the child. Mm. You know, so sometimes looking at those kind of aspects, those kind of comparisons also, and looking at the strengths of each of those uh, scenarios would help. Not that one system is better than the other, or the way people live in West is better than the way people live in East, or the way people live in South Asian countries is better than the people live, you know, how things are in the West. Both have got their own strengths, both have got their own um, issues, both have got, it's the cultural context, it's the context in the environment, societal context, which is different. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's being able to understand the, the 
those differences and then trying to find out how can we make our own environment better for the people living in there uh, yeah is something which is important um looking at what is it which is useful in the context in which we live in how can we how can we use that as a strength so for example i've given you examples of um religion so yes while religion is always identified as something negative but you can actually use it very positively to make people refrain from the behaviors that uh, abusive behaviors um yeah. you can you can use education or you can use joint family you know joint family system is always painted as bad but then actually you can use it as a very positive vehicle to to um to 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 ensure the, the abuse violence and all those sorts of things are are reduced um i think society is progressing generally it will take some more time it's just different sorts of things which are happening and i think the other thing which we need to understand is that because south asian society is kind of many years back than the western society things that they which has been happening in the west 30 40 years ago are happening now in our society so in a way that gives us a very good place to learn from the mistakes which west have made and you know which you know which things which haven't worked out because by the time we get to that stage you don't necessarily have to adopt things because this is how it is you have to question why you are why are you adopting mm. this yeah so i think some of that can be used i think media is a very powerful vehicle these days i think what we portray media how we use social media how we how we portray film tv and other aspects that people are interested in um would be uh, is a very powerful place to to start discussion to make people think um about the issues and to make people think about you know the positive aspects i know presenting mother in law in a positive life uh, light probably would not be cheesy for a for a for a tv show or something um mm. but if we do not if we do not it's okay to identify and talk about negative aspects but do we talk about positive aspects at all mm. so you know i think balancing those things is important specifically looking at uh, ipv most of the victims of ipv are women right so like how do we how do we change that uh, how do we pre- in a sense prevent ipv and uh, female victimization in that sense I think some of this is about understanding and acknowledging it because there is still quite a lot which goes on saying oh well but but you know men are also but it there's no denying that men gets abused as well but it's understanding yeah, that it's majority of the victims are women as you have said yeah. women victims are most of them are being abused and experiencing abuse on the hands of their family members people who they trust people who who are responsible for you know their um welfare um in within their home setting um so i think acknowledging those things and then trying to understand um why is it happening and you know trying to identify and tackle the issues providing more support services to women would something be uh, very important but as i say some of these things are like in in already um in developing countries which are already resource strained is not always that easy so then yeah. what we can then do is think of okay find these are the problems how can we then use families and how can we then mm. talk about the issues which develop, which which work in our context and talking yeah. about it ta- discussing about it so you know discussing discussions would help tackle the issues of revictimization and issues with you know making women responsible for all of that 
I think and one of the things which we all also need to realize is that this is, it's not that it's only happening in South Asia um, or Pakistan or of India. Of course, it's, yeah. It's women Everywhere. are experiencing one in three women, you know, uh, all around the world. That's the kind of statistic we know of. Um, are being abused um, everywhere and yeah the, we regardless of you know we're talking about countries and culture it doesn't pr- uh, the your economic status or your education and many other things do not really protect you against this there are a whole host of factors which happen and so it's not necessarily yeah. only a south asian or pakistani or indian problem this is something which is happening all across the world but what we need to see is how we can look at the solutions which work in the context in which we live in and that's where understanding the definitions and what we class as abuse and what we don't class it abuse and what can we do to prevent that is important because if you do not really understand the problem from the perspective of people who are experiencing it you will not be able to find solutions which would work for those mm. uh for those populations so i think that's where it becomes really important to understand and to look issues in the cultural context in which they're happening to then be able to find ways to prevent it yeah yeah part of the kind of research that you are doing you know decolonizing data collection and just uh, culturally specific questions and all of that all of that's really important so this can't be easy work i mean looking at all of these cases and even looking at domestic abuse and how health healthcare workers respond to that and uh, you know looking specifically at violence so how do you balance your emotional well-being with this work is it emotionally taxing it is emotionally taxing it is quite hard and i think some of this is because as a nurse as a healthcare professional so you are educated and trained to to and used to of dealing with issues like that so i think that helps um i think working with colleagues who work in the same area and talking about issues and verbalizing your feelings and what has affected you that sort of helps writing about it and getting your message across helps like talking to someone like you for example so all mm-hmm. of those different strategies and different things help a lot and finding your own mechanism as you know what is it that you enjoy so finding doing something different and i think one of the thing which i do is that this is one aspect of my research i also do things i also do stuff on writing for publications or you know journal editing and other stuff so finding something else where i can take a little break from this and do something different mm. also helps i think by having a support mechanism and being able to be having people who you could talk to um is something which is really important. Hmm. I think finally just to tap into your healthcare experience uh how how can we train healthcare workers nurse practitioners and everyone better to support domestic abuse victims in and this is quite a general question not specific to any particular culture but in your experience what do you think we can do better in that in that uh, profession? I think it is it is making them aware of uh, helping them explore their own biases as helping them them explore what they think is abuse and how it could mm. be different in different cultures because the world is becoming global and people are moving from all over the place so therefore migrating all over the place so therefore while you have populations moving 
so you have patients who are coming from or people who are coming from very very different backgrounds very very different cultures similarly you have got healthcare professionals who are from very very different backgrounds or very very different cultures so it's it's having the cultural competence and understanding the issue from the perspective of different groups is something which is important being able to ask questions in a respectable way is important being able to think about you know what kind of situations you can come across and how you're going to tackle that is something which is important so a um, part of the stuff which i do in this regard is like for instance i've developed an interactive board game which is available online which is available for purchases um and i can give you the links so you can add with the interview as well so which mm. which basically hel- helps healthcare professionals explore different scenarios and different contexts in which they can come across people who are experiencing abuse or who have experienced abuse or who are in those kind of difficult situations so you know doing that sort of thing helps them become more aware of the issues become more understand how to be how to deal different situations if they come across those things so i think those kind of training opportunities help i did also develop a future learn um course and supporting victims of violence which also mm-hmm. is um it um it was it went online on 25th november 2019 for the first time and wow. it has been identified as one of the it has come among best 30 courses introduced in 2019 and the like like when t- total courses introduced in 2019 was to 25000 wow among those 25000 courses this this is identified as one of the, the the top 30 ones which has been useful so i think developing interactive strategies where people are able to talk about uh is something useful and i think the course is really interesting because what it has made me learn that you know we, you know the gender and many issues that we thought are relevant or we 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 were hoping that may not be relevant to everywhere in the world and you see people coming from all over the world so we've had more than 2000 400 500 students from 134 countries and you could see the issues experienced by women perceptions of gender and you know they are different but they are similar regardless of where people are hmm. so i think i think talking about those things um giving health professionals social care professionals or whoever can come across uh these scenarios giving them a chance to making them think and reflect is something which is going to help a lot and it's not only healthcare professionals social care professionals i think anyone is responsible so i think it's it's developing and generating dialogue for sure yeah thank you so much for talking to me and thank you for all your incredible work um i'll put all the links that you said with the interview but thank you for talking to me and thank you for your time thank you very much for giving me time oh thank you That was Dr. Parveen Ali and we were talking about intimate partner violence. Let me know your thoughts on this episode and the podcast in general. Lots of more exciting guests coming up in the weeks to come and if there's anything that you want to hear discussed any feedback, comments, suggestions, reviews, reviews please leave reviews. It helps others find the podcast on Apple Podcasts and beyond. But um thank you so much for tuning in and thank you for constantly li- constantly listening and all your support. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, write me an email, let me know what I can do better. So stay in touch and see you next week.